Um, so for tonight, I, I want to start here. Um, when you guys go to people's houses, maybe I'm the only one, I'm probably not. If you say you don't, you're a liar. Um, when I go to people's houses, I always look at the signs on the walls. And I always just like to read like what people have uh, on the signs. You have them, I have them. Um, they're probably hanging in your kitchen. It's probably where most of them are. Uh, your entryway, your living room. And signs like live, laugh, love, home sweet home. This is our happy place. Um, as long as the kids go to bed on time. Um, grateful, thankful, and blessed. Um, there's even probably signs with your last name on it with the established date. Guys, that's your anniversary. Easy to remember right there. I like this one. Um, stay a while, dot, 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 but not too long. And then this one is probably the one I live by. Uh, mom's rules are rule number one. Mom's always right. Rule number two, if you want to argue, check back at rule number one. Um, so I, I think about those, and, and we have Bible verses too, right? They got signs. Those are on mugs. I mean, that's on T-shirts. We can't even go into that. I only have uh, 84 more minutes. So I can't get into all those. But there is one I want to tell you about. It hangs in our bedroom on my side of the room. And the sign is really simple, and it says, Bind my wandering heart to thee. Bind my wandering heart to thee. And I see it every morning when I wake up. I see it every night before I go to bed. And for me, it serves as a daily reminder of something really simple. I'm a wanderer. And I'm in daily need of asking God to bind my wandering heart to thee. I want to start by sharing this personally with you guys. Um, anytime I teach, I'm pretty forward, pretty open. Um, and, and it has to do with uh, the series that Dr. Young just finished up on the fear of God. And he said this, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil and to turn away from it. He said that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil and to turn away from it. And, and guys, I just want to confess, I don't do that well. And, and I think if, if you're honest, there are times that you don't either. See, rather than hating evil and turn away from it, I think we often find ourselves staying just a little bit longer than we should. I think we find ourselves going just a little further when tempted by sin. And I think we find ourselves wanting just a little more. You may have heard it said this way, that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you really want to pay. And I know I could say that we all are sinners and fall short of God's glory. I know that's true. But I think if we dig a little deeper, I think we find ourselves believing often that our way is better than his way. I think that's one of the original sins in the garden. When Adam and Eve are commanded to not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Satan tempts them. He says, did God really say that? Did God really say that? And it plants this seed in their mind that maybe their way could be better than his way. You could say that they exchanged the things of God for what they thought was best. And we do the same thing. And when we do, we find ourselves wandering away from the Lord our God. Wandering away from the very God who loves us and laid down his life for his people. A couple of Sundays ago, it was 10 days to be exact, we were in the, the worship 
and we were singing a song. It's one of my favorite. Come thou fount of every blessing. I was worshiping that a couple of weeks ago and, and I'm worshiping God and, and I begin to just get emotional because as I'm singing this song, I'm reminded, God, that I am in need of you. God, I am a wanderer. I am, I am not only a wanderer, but God, I, I would confess to know you and to trust you, to even fear you. And yet I find myself turning to the things of the world very often. So tonight, just to start, I, I want to look at three, uh, three parts, three, three parts of this song, just some verses. Um, I am going to sing it. My wife is here. She does not want me to sing it. So here's what I'm going to ask of you. Uh, it's summertime, right? It's here. So I'm going to sing it. And if you love me, I need you to just kind of hum it with me. Can you do that? I'm going to find out if, if I need to get the resume updated or if you guys are with me. Okay. So the first one I want to look at, I want to look at three. I, I, I can't look at all of them, but the first one is this. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandered. We're going to start over. You guys didn't understand. I can't do it by myself. It's going to be ugly. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. One of three out of the way. Well done. Guys, I sing that song, and it's easy to just gloss over it. Jesus sought me when I was a stranger. You could even say as an enemy. I'm a wanderer. I'm going my own way. Why does that matter? Because, guys, it's not us who seek and find God, but instead it's God who seeks and rescues us. And in doing so, he interposed his precious blood. That is that he intervened on our behalf. He took our place. It's so easy to just sing through that song, just as it is for me to read through that sign and and not think much of it before I go to bed or when I wake up. Here's the next one. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Ready? A one, two, three. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Grace isn't mine to find. It's a gift that God alone can give. I'm indebted to him daily for it. We all are. And I ask him in his kindness and in his goodness to fetter, literally, to chain me, to bind me, to latch on, to connect my wandering heart to him. More than just clinging on. Because if I cling, there's a way that I could let go. I'm asking God to bind my wandering heart to him because otherwise, left on my own, I'm going to wander. Last part. It's prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I really want to hear it. One, two, three. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. 
Seal it for thy courts above. I know that left to myself, not only am I going to wander, I'm not going to wander close to the things of God. I am prone to wonder just like you. So instead, I offer my heart, my very being, and I ask God to seal it with himself because I know who he is and, 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 and maybe equal is important, therefore I know who I am. Why does that matter? Because the work of salvation is not mine. It's his. So think about that line, here's my heart. See, rather than giving our hearts to the world around us, rather than giving our hearts to the temptation in the world that exists, and they're giving in to the sin, therefore, that tangles us, us, that trips us up, that holds us captive, that makes us ashamed, that leaves us guilty in humility, knowing that we can't earn or work our way to salvation, we ask God to seal our hearts knowing that when we do, it's the only way to experience the fountain of every blessing, which is his presence. It's his goodness. It's his joy. And it's his faithfulness in and through and by the work of God alone. I want to focus here just for a little bit on that word, bind, and then the phrase, my wandering heart to thee, because that's the sign that hangs in our room. But when I sing it, when I read it, when I pray it, Again, it's like anything else. It can be real simple, and I could just go through the motion. But when I genuinely read it, when I pray it, I confess to God I am in need of him. I want to look at Psalm 119. If you brought your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 119, chapter uh, 119, verse 9. We'll start there. Psalm 119, verse 9. It says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. You know, I can read that, and, and that's the cry of my heart. So how do we bind our wandering heart to God? Well, first, verse 9, by keeping our way pure, by guarding it according to the word of God. When I, an example, when I make decisions, I consider them through the lenses of Scripture. Verse 10, by seeking God with all of my heart so that I don't wander at all from his commandments. I love that. It says all of our heart, not some of it, not part of it, not keeping one little piece tucked back in the, the darkness where no one knows, but to say, God, with all of my heart, I want to seek you lest we would wander from God's commandment. Verse 11, by storing up God's word in our heart so we may not sin against him. We have to know God's word. We've got to be in God's word so the word of God is in us. Otherwise, when faced with temptation, we're going to fail every time. Verse 12, by blessing the Lord's name, asking him to teach us his statutes. Verse 13, by declaring the law with our words, speaking that. 
14, by delighting in the testimonies more than anything else this world has to offer. And that's hard. That's tough. There are some things this world throws at us that I, I, I got to tell you, it's hard not to compromise. And yet as a, a follower of Jesus, I say, God, there's nothing this world has to offer that is better than what you do. Verse 15, by meditating on his precepts, keeping our eyes on his way. By meditating, by thinking about his, his law, his teaching, his precept, and keeping our eyes on his way. Verse 16, being so captivated by his word that you don't let yourself forget it. Just a couple of days ago, I was taking my son Riley to a baseball game right up here at Wolf River, and we were making the left onto Farmington to head to Bob Haley. And there was a car in front of me, a little cube, and uh, the light turned yellow, and this pickup truck was coming from the other direction. And I could tell, you know, there's a little bit of a rev in the engine that that white truck wasn't slowing down. And that cube began to inch out. And I'm talking to Riley, and all of a sudden I just go, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Wait, stop. Don't. The cube pulls out just as the white truck comes through the intersection. I'm sitting in that left-hand lane. The truck, in my mind, is going to turn toward us, and it does. And it catches the back end of that cube, and it smashes it. There's stuff in the street. That pickup truck does one of these. It, I think the radiator exploded. There's debris in the, in the street. And I think about this. I think about what did you not see? What did you not think about? Riley said, Dad, whose fault was it? Both of them. I've been in both situations where I'm, the, I'm trying to make the turn to the left, the light turns, and I want to go. But I've been on the other side, too. I'm trying to rush and beat that light. And I tell Riley, and neither one of them kept their eyes on the other. You see, I think they were captivated by their way. They were, they were thinking about what they wanted to do, where they had to be, what they were doing, didn't consider anything else. And oftentimes, I think that's like us. Most of the time, nine times out of ten, that cube makes it, that pickup truck clears it, and there's no problem. It's that one time, and there's some incredible damage. And guys, when, when we, we take our eyes off the way of the Lord, when we stop seeking him with all of our heart, when we stop spending time in his word and, and God's word is no longer inside of us, when we stop obeying it, trusting it, coming under its authority, when we take our eyes off of that, it's really easy that there's going to be a time where we're going to have a crash. And nine times out of 10, you get away with it. But man, that teenage boy, when he pulled that little cube over on the side of the road, he gets out and he's got his hands up and down. And he doesn't know what to do. And he's panicking. You can see him. He pulls his phone out. He's trying to take a picture of it. He tries to make a phone call. Meanwhile, this little pickup truck just wheels to the side of the road. There's damage that ensues. So that's how we bind our wondering heart to him. By keeping our eyes fixed on him. By continually continually meditating on his word, speaking his word, delighting in his word, delighting in his statutes, delighting in his law, because we know that his way is best to avoid that type of damage. 
So that's how we bind our wondering heart to God. But think about this in verse 11. So that we may not sin against you. So how do we fight temptation? How do we not sin against God? We could wing it. That's my go-to, by the way. You, are there any planners in the room? Three. Yeah. I get it. My wife is like, I'm a planner. I love to just wing it. I love to do my best and just figure it out as I go. Can I tell you that being a follower of Jesus is not that? When we wing it, when we just do our best, we're probably going to end up where we don't want to be. We're probably going to find ourselves somewhere we don't want to be. It's going to hurt more than we thought it would. It's going to cost us more than we wanted to pay. Or we could look and see how Jesus defended against sin as Satan tempted him. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. Normally when I teach students, some of you guys have some or or kids, I'll say, when you're there, say word. If you need a minute, say hold up. I didn't think you guys would do that, but I knew you would sing. (laughs) So Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, we're going to look at how do we fight temptation? Rather than winging it, rather than just depending on our own ability, what are we going to do to fight the temptation that's coming? Not not if, but when temptation comes, how do we we defend it? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Do you ever notice that a lot of times when we we are tempted, it's not when things are going great. It's when we're beginning to struggle. It's when we were in need. So we find Jesus here. He's hungry. He's in need. And so the tempter comes and he says, if If you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And the answer is written, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes through the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and he set him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to them again, it is written, you should not put the Lord, your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Don't you love this too? Satan's making a promise he can't keep. Sin does the same thing. It makes empty promises to us. Listen to this. Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Each time Satan was tempted in every way, Jesus responded with Scripture. The Word of God was his defense, so it should be ours too. To fight against the darkness of sin, Jesus quoted Scripture, and in doing so, exposed sin for what it is, evil, full of empty promises that leave us in despair. I'm going to say that again. Take hold of that. To fight against the darkness of sin, Jesus quoted the word of God. And in doing so, exposed sin for what it is, evil, full of empty promises that leave us only in despair. And if Jesus himself, the light of the world, if he uses scriptures to fight evil, then we should do it as well. For when we walk in the light, for he is the light, we can overcome sin as well. Why? Because the light overcomes the darkness. 
What does that matter? Because you can't, because you can't live in darkness and expect anything other than what darkness offers. You, you can't live in sin and expect anything other than what sin offers. Things like hopelessness, heartache, loneliness, pain. Every night, I tuck my kids into bed. Every night, without fail. Doesn't matter if I'm out late. Doesn't matter if it's they go to bed first. I always go up and tuck them in. I kiss them on the forehead and I pray for them. Recently, my fifth grader has decided he wants to bulk up. And so we got him a, I don't know what it's called. Clearly, I don't work out. Um, a bar with weight on the end, like a bench press bar. But he just leaves it in his floor. And I know it's there. But it was dark. And I was tired. And I make my way up the staircase. And I go into his room. And I know there's probably Legos and there's toys. And I'm, I just make it almost there. And I, I think I'm good. And then I catch the bottom of my shin on that weight bar. And it hurt. <laughs> See, if I had just turned that light on, I knew it was there. If I had just turned the light on, the light would have exposed the danger. But I just tried to wing it. Don't we do the same thing? Whether it's your marriage Maybe raising children, relationships with your neighbors, with people you work with, with your family. Oftentimes we wing it. And rather than living in the light, which exposes pitfalls, which exposes the danger that sin brings, we just continue to walk sometimes in darkness. So how do we walk in the light? How do we walk in the light? Well, I hope at this point you know it's by staying in the word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love that verse. I love that because when we go to the beach, I don't carry a lamp down to the sand when we go crab hunting. I carry a 4,000 megawatt flashlight that has been on steroids and charging the entire week so I can catch little crabs that we're going to let go 15 minutes later. It's nonsense. It's sin is what that is. We're down there crab hunting, just going to let them go within 15 minutes. I don't carry a lamp down there. What do I do? I carry a flashlight. If I'm sitting in a room and, I, and, and the room's dark and I want that area illuminated, the right then, the right now, I turn a lamp on because a lamp illuminates my now, my present. The Word of God is like a lamp. It illuminates our presence. We get to see the present. We get to see the here and the now. But the word of God is also a, lamp, a light to my feet. It not only do I have the lamp that illuminates where I am, but it also has the ability to light my path to see where I want to go. And if I have the lamp and I have the light, then I understand that I'm on the right path because I'm keeping my eyes fixed on the cross. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on my relationship with God. And so it doesn't mean that hard things aren't going to come. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be obstacles. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be pitfalls with the light. It just means I'm going to see them. It means I'm, I may not just get snuck up on. It means that if I do fall, at least I see it. At least I know how to overcome it. And by the way, I don't have to do that by myself when I'm in the light. And so I would encourage you guys, you, you, you got a friend, you got somebody in your life that, that maybe you think are living maybe in the darkness a little bit. Don't be afraid to go up and say, I love you too much to live you in the darkness. 
I love you too much. I care too much about you and the Lord that you profess to follow. Let, let me help you come back in the light, not because of who I am, but because of the God that you claim to know, trust, and love, and follow. And so if that's the case, if we're going to be in God's word and God's word's going to be us, in us, then we've got to make sure that we're not wandering into darkness and into sin. I think about two men in Scripture, one of them living faithfully, the other one was not, and, and, and just at different points in their lives, I, I could go through, I mean, these are two guys you're going to know, but the first is Joseph. You know, I think about Joseph, loved by his father, dreamed that he would one day rule, betrayed by his brother, sold into slavery, remains faithful to God. Scripture tells us over and over again that the Lord was with him, that his steadfast love was with him, that God blessed him. He remains faithful to God. God blesses him and shows favor to him, rises to be second in command in Potiphar's household. Why? To only be accused of rape. And by the way, when he's accused, when he's seduced by Potiphar's wife, I love this about Joseph. What a great picture and reminder that when we're faced with temptation and evil, we don't hang around. We, we don't just check it out for a little while. We don't stay longer than we should or watch for longer than we should. Well, she certainly didn't care about her feelings. What he cared about was turning away and fleeing evil. So he got out of there. The same thing is true for us. When we face temptation, we got to flee. We don't hang around. The problem was he was accused and then thrown into prison. He could have given up right then. He could have thrown his hands up. He'd been through a really rough part in life. But instead, God is continually working in Joseph's life. You know the story, right? He gets thrown into prison. He interprets dreams of the, of the baker and the cupbearer. Cupbearer remembers Joseph when Pharaoh's having his dream. Pharaoh gets pulled out of prison, interprets the dream for Pharaoh. Next thing you know, Pharaoh's now second in command over all of Egypt. God uses that to bring his people to, to Egypt, take care of them. That's the nation of Israel that would come. And then you have David. A man who's described as a man after God's own heart. And yet, one night on a rooftop, when faced with temptation, rather than fleeing immediately like Joseph, what does he do? He leans in. He looks a little longer. But then he acts on that temptation. And one sin leads to another sin, which leads to another sin, and leads to another sin. To the point where he's covering up a murder to cover up his sin. But then his sin is found out, and he's convicted and brought to a point of confession and repentance. See, I think in both of these guys' lives, there are consequences to actions. There, there are consequences when we're faithful. Things go our way sometimes, and sometimes they don't. God is at work. God works in and through our sin when we're disobedient, when we're unfaithful, when we wander into darkness. God uses that for his good. There could be consequences. There could be discipline. But God still works in their life. And he uses both of these men to impact and influence people around them. So here's the good news. God doesn't leave either one of them where they are. Did you hear it? God doesn't leave either one of them where they are. He has a purpose in their lives that he is working out, and he does the exact same thing for us. As we close tonight, I, I want to look at one more guy. I want to look at Isaiah. I want to look at Isaiah because it is a reminder. 
that when we come into the presence of God Almighty, when we recognize his holiness and his righteousness and his majesty, our perspective changes. We begin to see God for who he is. And in doing so, we begin to also see ourselves for who we really are. Wretched, sinful, unrighteous, in need to be cleansed. Do do you remember in Isaiah chapter 6 when he is ushered into the presence of God and immediately when when he encounters it, what's his response? God, what can I do to be like you? God, what can I do to earn your favor? No. He just simply says, woe is me. I am ruined. There is an acknowledgement and understanding of who he is and who God is. And he confesses, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. And yet, his eyes are open and he sees the king, the Lord God Almighty. And an angel flies to him and he touches to his lips with coal. And he says, your guilt is taken away and your sins are atoned for. That's great news. Because like Isaiah, when we come into the presence of God Almighty, when we experience his goodness and his majesty and his holiness, we can't help but respond similarly. Because... Ultimately, God alone has the ability to exchange our heart of stone for a heart of flesh. And that heart is what we cry out, bind my wandering soul to you. God, bind my wandering heart to thee. God, I know you've given me a new heart, but God, I've blown it again. God, I know you've given me a new heart, and I, and I claim to be yours, but I've, I've fallen off the track again. I've, I've strayed from the path again. Why? Because we are men and women who are prone to wander and leave the God that we love. And so we cry out, bind my wandering heart to you, to the one true God. And when we do, when we're convicted of our sin through the Spirit of God, we confess it, we acknowledge it, we admit it. And then we repent. We turn away from evil and we turn to God. And then we return into right relationship with him. So there's the the conviction, the confession, the repentance, and the return. As we end tonight, I want you to know, truthfully, Jimmy was right. These hands, they're not capable of anything. They're not capable of anything meaningful outside of the work of God and leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to confess our daily need that God would allow our hearts to be bound to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess our need for you, O Lord God. Lord, we desire to draw close to you. Lord, you alone are the fount of every blessing. As we close tonight, we confess our need for you. We thank you, God. We thank you for seeking us when we were yet a stranger. Thank you for rescuing us from our sin. Thank you for laying down your life, for taking our place and dying the death that we deserve. Father, we can confess that we are in need of your grace daily. Lord, you pour it out upon us. God, we cry out asking you to, to bind our hearts to you by remaining in your word and your word on our lips and in our heart. Lord, we confess that we are prone to wander, that we are prone to leave you in search 
of other things that will never satisfy our soul. When we do, God, please forgive us. Convict us, O Lord, through your spirit. Lead us to confession of our sin. Give us strength to fight sin, to hate it even, Lord, and help us to turn and run to you. So we say, come, thou fount of every blessing. Bind our wandering hearts to thee and seal our heart with you for all of eternity. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.